Hello, everyone. My name is Hassan Sorrells, and this is Tom Libby, and you are listening to the Growth Craft Podcast. podcast is designed with the startup founder in mind. This podcast is committed to growing your connections to our GrowthCraft advisors, increasing your engagement with the GrowthCraft community, and to growing your knowledge about all of the benefits and awesomeness that GrowthCraft can provide. We can't wait to bring you along on our journey today. Here on the podcast, we typically interview startup founders, advisors, and others about their journey, about their process, about their product, about their solution, and about how GrowthCraft is helping them. And today, I'd like to welcome Pablo Alsahani to the podcast. Hi, Pablo. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for the invite. So um, kind of ran through our introduction there a little bit, and that's that's a great way to kind of kick us off. We're going to take a take a little bit and kind of peel you apart, right? Peel peel back the onion, right? Um, figure out what you're doing, what you're working on, um, and how GrowthCraft is helping you. So why don't you tell our listeners, uh, what is it that you do exactly? Exactly. So uh, the technology we built is called a virtual bank, which is pretty novel for our customers. But essentially, it's a it's a bank for our customers to store store credit, right? So allowing brands to have store credit for their customers, um, and then with that technology, we're able to cut down a lot with the processing fees, right? So with a virtual bank, um, since it's not going through a financial institution like Stripe or any of the banking systems, it's going through some it's going through the SDK that we built for them. We're able to to avoid these processing fees. And we see a lot of these processing fees associated with just the refund process, which is uh, three purchases or three transactions. You have the initial purchase, the refund, and a repurchase. And then we help cut two thirds of the processing costs in that refund flow. Now, when you're cutting those transaction pro, uh, uh, costs, right, um, is that the transaction costs to the, the end user of the SDK? How, how does that work? Uh, kind of frame that out for me a little bit or for exactly. us a little bit. Yeah. So let's say a company, company A, mm -hmm. is making about $5 million a month off of GMV. Mm -hmm. And typical returns, typical companies at that size would see about 30% in returns. Mm -hmm. um, so that means the customer would come, purchase something, return something. Uh, two thirds of those transactions are redundant, right? With the processing fees, right? So uh, the return, you'd have to go through Stripe again and pay 2.9% plus 30 cents. Mm -hmm. Then same goes for that repurchase. Okay. Right? So scaling that up to a, to a company A, making 5 million in GMV, they're going to have to pay about $105,000 a month solely off those uh, that refund and the repurchase. So we just okay. eliminate that by going through store credit instead of going through Stripe or Square or PayPal. That's it. That's it. That's really interesting, actually, thinking of it out loud. As you say it out loud, it's very interesting. So what what prompted this for you, Pablo, right? Like, so what what was the what was the the what happened that you looked at this and went, I really need to change this the way that people do business this way? Amazing question. 
So my last startup was in the food tech space. Uh, MealMe was a food tech aggregator. We collected all the different food delivery services and put them into one app, kind of like Kayak, but mm -hmm. for food. And we found a bunch of different uh, food delivery options. And then we also allowed users to place the order through the app and check out within the app and build this uh, the streamlined flow for their customers, just open up the app and place an order. And we faced a little bit of difficulty around just customer retention, just keeping the customer in our, in our system, right? So after a refund, after we issued a refund, there's typically a 75% chance that the customer might not ever come back again, right? So we invested in, in, in acquiring that customer and then after a refund, it will just be a loss. So instead of doing that, we built this MealMe bank, which was a way for us to just give them in-store credit so they can immediately apply that uh, on an order. And a lot of customers just explained, uh, expressed pain around having to wait for the refund to fully process. A hmm. typical refund will take about seven to 10 days, sometimes a little sooner than that, but typically seven to 10 days is how long it would take to process. And then customers didn't like that. So they opted in for just store credit and and that's that's where we built that that virtual bank initially. It was at MealMe. And then we scaled it to 3 million users and just saw how effective it was at just keeping people engaged, keeping people really excited. We added a bunch of different use cases to it, like promotional codes and stuff, and we just scaled it out and saw how powerful it was. And that really excited me to just uh, step down from MealMe and then come and build this. I, I got like a million questions, so I'll let you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's a there's a cascade of questions in my head as well um, on this one, Pablo. Um, let me start off with maybe the smallest question, which is, who are your competitors in this space? Um, you know, when I think of the challenges of loyalty programs and promotions, um, when I think of gift cards, the entire gift card industry that exists. I mean, I recently was, uh, you know, a part of a promotional event, right? And I went to that promotional event and I won a gift card. Now it's for a retailer that I don't, I don't use. So I'll probably give that gift card to my wife. My wife will have that gift card in her pocketbook or wherever it is she keeps the gift cards. And then like, I don't know what will happen to it after that. <laughs> the magic will occur. I don't know. It will disappear from my house. Um, so you've got gift cards, you've got perks, you've got promotions. I think recently I heard um, as of the, uh, not only the recording, but also the release of this podcast that Starbucks um, is now one of the largest sort of banking type in style institutions um, in the United States because of just how much money they're holding on people's Starbucks cards, right? So that to me seems a like a dynamic environment that is either parallel or maybe directly intersects with what you're doing. So I guess my question there is, how much competition do you have and why is your solution the best answer in that wealth of competition? Certainly. And Starbucks is a really cool example. So give me some more data around that. Starbucks, they have about $2 billion across the U.S. and Canada and customer deposits. So they're able to reinvest that um, and, and open up locations and do really cool stuff with that. So it's a really cool thing that Starbucks did. And that's actually what, that's actually what we uh, were inspired by at MealMe to build that MealMe bank. We looked at Starbucks and saw how effective it was and brought it over to, to the company. Uh, but with competitive, the competitive landscape, right? So we have, we also have a loyalty aspect to it and uh, the promo codes, of course, promo codes can be handled by uh, gift cards and, and then the return process. There's other, uh, companies there. So like Returnly, Returngo, uh, they're pretty effective. Um, 
but uh, we kind of push ourselves in a different lighting. So our thing is we provide this virtual bank to hold store credit, right? And then we we happen to do refunds. We happen to do the loyalty aspect. Um, so the loyalty aspect, for example, is very congested. It's there's so many companies in that space. I think if you look at Shopify, you can see like at least two hundred companies there mm. that provide loyalty program software. But what you notice there, a lot of the programs there don't support the checkout integration. So they give you loyalty points, but they won't give you um, store credit. So you can't use those loyalty points on an order. So our technology mm. adapts that. So we're building a tool that would convert these loyalty points into store credit uh, to just accommodate whatever loyalty programs that these um, retailers already use and just, you know, piggyback off of that. Um, and then with the, the refund aspect, a lot like return lead, return go, they really optimize just the refund experience for the consumer. We're more concerned about just the processing fees and all the other numbers that the, uh, the retailer is more concerned about. So, so let's say I'm, I'm an end user, right? So I'm, I'm one of the people that are on the other side of this. The, who, who I, I, again, I got a million questions bouncing around in my brain, trying to formulate it into one cohesive question is the tough part. Cause I, I'm, I think this might be a two-part question is what I'm getting at. So you, so you're essentially, you have two sides of the coin, right? You have the end user, the person interfacing with the, as, as the consumer, and then you have your customer, which is the establishment that's using the, the service, right? Am I am I correct so far? Right. Yeah. Okay. So, what is that? How does that differ on both sides of that coin? And and how does it? How do you interact with it from from those two different sides? Um. So we're B to B to C, right? So we're still going to the consumer. The product is 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 still uh in in the customer's hand. The customer would have to log in into the website, and then track their funds. But we're selling B to B. So the metrics that we're we're putting together, it's more incentivizing. To the, to the retailer. So the sales calls we're doing, the, all the metrics we have, all our data is more catered towards just making that sale uh, for the business, but we are B2B to C. Um, yeah. So if I'm the consumer, do I look at this differently than Stripe or like, how, I, I guess, cause I understand, I, I know what you're talking about so far with like the rewards program and the, you know, the store, store credit, so to speak. But how do I, as a consumer, how does this impact me as a consumer and how different is it or how do I interact with it? Or is it just, I feel like I'm interacting with the retail establishment and that's the only thing that I see. I don't see anything to do with, with your product. Like how, how does that look from the consumer's perspective? So the SDK is white labeled, meaning it would just, we slap on the brand's name on there. It's an SDK it just sits on their website. Uh, and then you'll see a fund, right? You'll see like you have $15 sitting with banana Republic and, you could you could add more money, uh, or you could use that to pay for something and uh, and that. But yeah, that's it's a it's a white labeled SDK with the brand's name on there. Got it. So it just looks like okay. I'm interacting with the retailer. Period. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Understand. Okay. Okay. Now, um, you you mentioned loyalty programs. You mentioned perks. Um, loyalty programs, by the way, to me as a marketer, are are absolutely fascinating um, because. 
loyalty doesn't mean to the consumer what it means to the retailer. <laughs> There's two fundamentally different understandings of what loyalty actually means. Uh, for those of you who are listening, loyalty to the retailer means you come here and you never shop anywhere else. Uh, loyalty to the consumer means the retailer is always there whenever the heck I want you and otherwise go away and leave me alone that and so there's loyalty programs are fascinating to me because of just how they work on that on that that intersection of where there's a mismatch between desires between the brand and the consumer right but then you talk about in-store credit and you've talked a lot about in-store credit i will be honest as a consumer in-store credit is the most frustrating thing for me ever right because sometimes i just want my cash right i'm never coming back here i don't care about you I didn't like this purchase. Uh, it's just easier for me to leave. You know, um, if I'm shopping at, I'm going to name a retailer here that's large enough to where it won't be a problem if I name them Kohl's, right? If I'm if I bought a shirt that didn't fit at Kohl's, quite frankly, I want my twenty five bucks back. Like I don't, you know, I don't, I don't want, I don't want in store credit. So on that B to C end that Tom was addressing. How do we address, how do you address the friction in there with the C's? You said you had 3 million users, right? So what does that breakdown look like? And how do you address that friction with, with folks like me? Or quite frankly, you know, folks like, like, again, I'll use, use my, my wife as an example, because she does a lot of shopping. She enjoys, um, you know, loyalty programs and enjoys, you know, in-store credit because she's constantly going back and buying shoes for the kids. And it's just, it's just a, a way in which she thinks differently about consumption, and about buying um, in a retail environment. So how do your consumers, how does the CN interact with uh, with your software? And what are you noticing there as far as trends? Certainly. With the, the consumer, if they want a refund and they don't want to come back, they're given that option too, right? Okay, okay. The, brand, the, the retailer is able to provide them with two options for the refund, either wait a week uh, and then have this direct deposit into your bank or you could get it immediately and apply it immediately. And what we've seen very effective, a very good way to have uh, the uh, the customer to put their money in the virtual bank is to give them a little uh, incentive. So give them an additional $5 to just stick with the brand. It's a very good investment because the cost of acquisition is very high. You don't want to lose that customer, especially if it's a right. customer that purchases. So you want to incentivize them to return and kind of convert that return into a sale. Very cool. When you think about the the landscape of what you do and and how you engage as a startup founder, um, how has Growthcraft helped you? Sort of what what has been the value add? I, I understand you. Don't, thank you for coming on the podcast. We really do appreciate it. You know, um, but how has the Growthcraft community um, um, helped you? How have you engaged with the community? How has it helped you get to where you want to go with your specific your specific project? Certainly. I met JP through a friend mm -hmm. uh, and then since then started attending the events and learned a lot about uh, patents and the legal stuff. Mm -hmm. And especially with our technology, since we're a fintech technology that plugs into checkout, you really need to have the finance, the, uh, the legal stuff situated. So JP put me in touch with another person, Charlie, uh, great, great guy. Um, and just um, the thing, the community there is very talent dense, very smart people there. Uh, and then Chuck is a very good storyteller around how to put together a very good pitch deck. So I learned a lot from him as well. And just the the resources provided by Growthcraft, I think it's it's been helpful. Pretty awesome. So um, so Paolo, we're uh, in the essence of you know essentially trying to wrap up uh, this this podcast here. 
this is basically your opportunity to tell us about things that you want everyone in the world to know about what you're doing. And um, one thing, did we, I don't think we mentioned the name of your company, did we? I don't think, so first of all, let's, why don't you tell us the name of the company, maybe a website, how do people find out a little bit more about it? Uh, and then we can go into that other part of it, which is, is there any place that they can find you, speaking engagements, anything like that, anything you want to promote about either you or your company? So let's quick step backwards and just let's name the company off first. And, and if you have a website, that kind of stuff. Certainly. The company's named Pablo Inc. Um, the philosophy behind that is that uh, back in the day, we had, you know, Thomas Edison, Henry Ford, uh, JP Morgan, people that I looked up to, and they had that without work life, it's not a balance to harmony. So they put themselves out there and put their name out there. And it's really very big skin of the game when you put your name in uh, on a, a company title like that. So uh, that's the philosophy behind that. And the website is just pablo.com with two O's. So pablo, two O's.com. Um, and, um, and yeah, and then you said, what was the... Oh, anything else you want to promote like if are you do you have speaking engagements coming up is there any place do you want people to check you out like things things like that for sure yeah just check me out on um on the website and just uh follow us on linkedin we keep it updated so uh we're chatting with a few other people there and we we tend to broadcast a couple of stories of just other founders we're focused around just the um uh the 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 retailer the D to C guys so they have a, a different route that a typical software company has in the Bay Area so it's a different journey um, and if you are a retailer online retailer then uh, don't hesitate to reach out uh, if processing cost is a huge burden and uh, you want to cut that down by a lot just reach out awesome well thank you Pablo for appearing on the today on the growth craft podcast we really enjoyed talking with you and we look forward to seeing where your project is going to be going next awesome thank you guys